Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah thoughts, ideas, and messages in all of its wonderful parts and facets. Baruch Hashem, today this is easier than ever before. Please enjoy the following class and the rest of them on my podcast. And follow in order to receive updates daily. Also, please feel free to share this podcast with your friends, family, and neighbors so they could enjoy as well. Now let's move on and learn and grow together. Today's daf Meseches Gitin is daf Chaf, 20. We're holding Amar of Chizda, about six, six lines down the page. Today we're going to discuss... Um, different halachas regarding the validity and invalidity of the writing and the giving of gittin. Primarily, we're going to discuss the law of the get needing to be worth something, needing to give her something. These halachas are going to stem very much from the word vinasan, is that the husband has to give her something. So the question is going to be, as we're going to discuss, does that mean that the get has to be worth something, that he has to give her something? We're going to have a lot of variables regarding this point. So let's get started here. Amar of Chizda, six lines down, Chafmud Aleph. Says Rav Chizda, Get shekasfu l'shma. If a get was written, not l'shma. So a get was not written for her sake, which is an invalidity, because it says v'kasavla in the Torah. V'hevir alaf kulmas l'shma. So this really connects back with yesterday's sugya. And then he passed over it, the quill, for her sake. So he wrote on top of the existing words in the get that were written not l'shma, he wrote on top of them l'shma. So, Rav Chizda suggests that this would also uh, arrive at a Machlaikis Rav Yudah and the Rabbanan. Why? Titania, because you have Bryce that talks about writing a Sefer Torah. And it says like this So, if the Sofer, the one who was writing the scribe, was intending to write the name of Hashem, Yudke Vavke. Now, he made a mistake in his head, and instead of thinking to himself, I'm going to write the words Yudke Vavke, the word Hashem, he intended to write Yehuda, which is wrong. That's not the right thing. But then, instead of writing Yehuda, he made a mistake from his mistake, and he didn't write a Dalit inside. Instead, he just wrote Yudke Vavke. So he actually wrote the right word, but he wrote it with the wrong intention, thinking that he was supposed to be writing Yehuda. So the Brisa Paskins, like this, Rabbi Yehuda says, Ma'avir alaf kolmos, umikatsha, div Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says he can pass the quill over the yud and the hay and the vav and the hay, and he could sanctify it, div Rabbi Yehuda. These are the words of Rabbi Yehuda. So even though his intention the first time around was wrong, because he thought to himself, I'm writing Yehuda, now that he wrote the right letters, he can just pass a pen over it and it's acceptable with the right intention. But Chacham say this type of Shem Hashem is not preferable. This is not ideal. So says the Gemara, Rav Chizda suggests, this is the same Machlaikis, Rav Yudon the Rabbanan. The Get was originally written, Shaloy L'Shma. When it was written, Shaloy L'Shma, that means it wasn't written for her sake. So Rav Yehuda would say, just as when it comes to the name Hashem in the Sefer Torah, you can pass the pen over that name which was written originally with the wrong intention. So also you could do the same thing by Gittin, even though it was written originally, Shalai Shema passed the pen over it. And the Rabbana will say, no, you can't do that. You know, it's not appropriate. So Amar Ravacha Bar Yaakov, Yaakov say, you can't compare these two cases. They're incomparable. Because Dilma, maybe it's not true. 
means adkan like Amirabanan Hasam. The Rabbanan only say in the case of a Sefer Torah that this is not an effective strategy. It's not Minamuvchar when it comes to writing the Sifrei Torah to pass the pen, the quill over the name and rethink that this is for the Shem Hashem, because you have to do the fulfillment of Zekeli Van Veyu. We know writing a Sefer Torah is a mitzvah. And in order to do a mitzvah, we have a special part of doing mitzvahs is Zekeli Van Veyu, to beautify them. So to write the name of Hashem and then to rewrite it on top with the right intention, that's lacking in the beauty of the mitzvah of writing the Sefer Torah. Veleka, and that's not fulfillment of Zekeli Van Veyu. But regarding gittin, although there is a mitzvah to give a get to one's wife if he wants to divorce her, the action of writing the get itself is not necessarily the mitzvah. Did I just answer your question, Shimon? Okay, so over here, the Rabbanan wouldn't necessarily apply the same logic because the writing itself is not necessarily part of the mitzvah, and therefore the Rabbanan may concede and say over here, you know what, we would agree with you over here, that you can pass the pen over and it would be acceptable. What's your question, Shimon? He didn't write a Dalit, that's the point. Well, that's a different story. Then you got an issue. Because now you have a Sefer Torah written wrong. That's a different story. <coughs> Same thing with a get. He's got it in the Shema that he's writing for the sake of the woman. Well, that's not our case. We're talking about where... agree with them. They said, because you meant to write, you came up and you didn't, so now it doesn't work this way either. We're talking about where he wrote the right thing with the wrong intent. You're talking about a different case where he wrote the wrong thing with the right intent. That's a different story. That he had right, written, yeah. Wasn't for the woman, but now it's be exactly, for meaning he wrote it correctly, but it was not written for her sake. That's the point. So meaning it wasn't written with Shema, but the words were correct. <laughs> All right, listen, Shem, we'll get you. Don't worry. Um, Rav Chizda, let's continue. Rav Chizda says another, uh, he says a very striking and shocking statement. So Rav Chizda got up in the base Medrash one day, clapped the bima, and he said, I could invalidate all the gittin of the world. Now, that's a very strong statement to say. What do you mean you could invalidate all of them? So the Gemara tries to figure out, well, what's your issue with gittin? What's the problem? So Amr Rav, Rav said to Rav Chizda, my time, what's the reason you would be able to invalidate all the gittin in the world? If it's because the Pasuk says, it says the husband has to write it. So I mean, maybe you'll say the reason that Gittin should be invalid is because the husband has to write it or pay the sofer to write it. And yet we know, as the Gemara is going to tell us later, that the Rabbanan established that the woman pay the sofer in order that they get divorced quicker if they need to. So the Rabbanan established the woman can actually go pay the sofer. So maybe that's why you're saying you'd invalidate because the women are paying and it says because of the husband has to be the initiator. And she is having it written by the sofer, not the husband. So that's not a good reason to invalidate it says Rava, because we have a principle in Allah called Hefker based in Hefker. What does that principle tell us? Is that based in essentially have the capacity to transfer ownership of monies from one person to another person. So maybe when the rabbi said the woman can pay the sofer, really what they were saying was we look at that money as if it's coming from the husband and not coming from the woman. So you can't invalidate Gittin because of that. Here, Replenimus, here's your remark. You can't invalidate Gittin because of that. So that can't be a good reason, Rav Chizda, to invalidate Gittin. Ve'ela, maybe you'll say the reason is, why would you invalidate them, Rav Chizda? 
Oh, because the Torah says Venasan. It says Venasan biyada. He has to put the get in her hand, the husband. Now, Bepashtus Venasan means he just puts it. But maybe you'll understand Venasan means he has to give her value. Meaning the get has to be worth a shava pruta. General, we know certain kinyanim require a shava pruta's value. So maybe you'll expound the vinasan that it says by Gitin is that he actually has to give her a shava pruta's worth in the get itself. And maybe when he divorces her, the, the Gitin are not worth a shava pruta. It's just a piece of paper. He's not giving her anything. So the Gemara says, but again, Rava says that's not a good reason because Dilman is Sinas Geti. Maybe all the Torah means is you just have to give a get. You don't have to give a get that's worth a Shava Pruta. How do you know to deduce then that Gitin should be invalid? And, and Rava backed up his logic because Teda, you should know, because they sent a Psak from Eretz Israel, and the Psak said, that if you wrote a get on something that's prohibited to benefit from, meaning imagine you took Arla. You took a vegetable of Arla and you wrote a get on it and that you're not even allowed to benefit from that and you gave it to her, kosher, the get's acceptable. So you see clearly you don't have to give her a Shavaprutas value. That's not the pshat in, in uh, Vinasan because if you did, you can't give her something that you're not allowed to benefit from. Must be, Vinasan just means giving her a get. And therefore, says Ravitar of Chizda, you don't have good grounds to invalidate Gitin and you've, uh, you've been disqualified. Let's continue. Gufa. Now we're going to analyze this. This is a very interesting idea. You're allowed to write a get they sent from Eretz Yisrael on something that's prohibited to benefit from. And the reason, seemingly, that they said that is because you don't actually have to give a get that's worth anything. It just has to be a basis for writing the words on. But it doesn't have to be worth anything. So the Gemara says, Gufa, we just quoted above, Shalchumitam, they sent from Eretz Yisrael. If a get was written on something that's prohibited to benefit from, Kosher, that get is still acceptable even though she's not receiving anything of value. Ravashi, Ravashi says, We also learned in our Mishnah. What did we learn in our Mishnah? In our Mishnah, we said, if you remember, we said that if you write a get on a, a leaf of an olive tree, a leaf of an olive tree, is, that's an acceptable divorce contract. Now, the leaf of an olive tree is not worth a Shavapruta. So you see, you can write a get on a parchment of sorts that's not worth anything of value. So the Gemara says, Dilma, that's not a similar proof. Why? Because perhaps Shani Zayas, the leaf of an olive is different. See, it's true. It's not worth much. But it's worth something in the sense that if you would gather a lot of them together, it could be worth a Shavapruta. Meaning, you can use these olive leaves for something. Rashi learns either you can use it to lie on, I guess you could use it to stuff a pillow with, or you can use it for animal feed. There is something that it's fitting to, if you would join a bunch of them together, it could be worth. But Isuri it's always going to be prohibited to benefit from. So therefore, the, the, the Memra brought from Eretz Yisrael actually proves the point from our mission. It's not necessarily a raya. Tanya, the Brisa teaches, Rebbe Oimer, Rebbe said, Kasfu al Isuri Hanoe Kasher, like they sent from Eretz Yisrael, that if you wrote a get on something that's prohibited to benefit from, it's still acceptable. There's a very interesting story about to do here. Nafak Levi, so Levi went out, and Darshim Ishmei the Rebbe. So Levi wanted to teach everyone this halacha. Levi wanted everybody to know that a get that's written on something prohibited to benefit, benefit from is still an acceptable get. So he went out and he expounded in public this halacha in the name of Rebbe. The problem was when he expounded in the name of Rebbe, Rebbe is a das yachid, he's an individual. So nobody accepted. The Rabbanan said, eh, you're talking about a das yachid, an individual, shita. Rebbe 
even though it's Rabbi Yehuda Anasi, we don't accept. So the Gemara says, they, did, they didn't praise him, meaning they said, this is a das yachid, we don't accept what you're saying. So what did he do? He went out and he publicly expounded that the halacha is, you write a get on Isuri no, it's still acceptable, the get is kosher. But he darshan it this time in the name of the Rabbanan. In the name of the public, in the majority. And then they praised him, they accepted what he had to say. So Alma the Gemara concludes from this story, it must be that the halacha follows him, because otherwise Levi wouldn't have put so, so much effort to make sure that people know this halacha. Must be, the halacha follows this shita, that Isuriyana is a good base for a get to be written on. San Rabbanon says the Brisa. So right now we're going to get into carving. Very, very interesting idea here. You know, you're a very creative person. The person decides, instead of writing a get in the traditional method, I'm going to carve a get into a tablet. Right, this sounds like uh, something the hippies might do today. I'm going to carve a get into a tablet, and then the, the pseudo-hippies, I should say, today's hippies, and then uh, give it to the wife to divorce her. So the shaila is going to be, does carving take on the same significance in halacha of vikasav, of writing? Does carving constitute writing? Very interesting shaila. means it does, the Torah says vikasav law say for krisis. It has to be written. So what about carving? So the Gemara says, it's on a vikasav. The Torah says vikasav, that it has to be that it's written. Veloichakak, but it can't be carved. So the Gemara says, Lamaimer, this would imply. So, so it seems to be at this point we're saying it has to be written on some form and write, I don't know, ink necessarily, but yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because we're going to see in a moment, I'll just point out, we're going to see in a moment there's different ways you can carve. Yeah, if you're carving with a knife, it's like writing. So let's see, let's see. So Lamaimra, the Gemara says this would imply, this would imply that carving is not considered writing because the Torah says vikasav and we're saying it excludes carving. So the Gemara says, but I'll show you a contradiction. Because it said in a brysa, an Evet, a slave, that went out, <coughs> you know, so for a slave to go free, he has to have some sort of a get shikhar, he has to have some sort of a document of free, freedom. So if he went out from his uh, servitude, from his master, and what did he produce to show that? There was a carving on some sort of a board. So there was a carved, the words of uh, you're free is carved on a board, whatever the proper language is, or pinkas, or on a tablet of sorts. Yatza lecheros, so then he would go free. So the Gemara says, No, no, so not that kind of tablet. A wooden piece, yeah, right, a piece of wood. So that would be considered yatza lecheros, that he would go free. Avaloi b'ksav shal gabi kipa. But he wouldn't be able to go free if there was writing on a head covering, a woolen head covering, va'an duchtari, or some ornament, ornament. Now these last two things Rashi explains is that they were essentially, what's the word? Embroidered, embroidered, or woven on them. So when it's woven and stretched, that's not considered a ksiva, that's not considered a writing. But when it's carved, the is the slave goes free. Now we know that slaves freedom documents, and women's gittin are compared to each other. So you see from here, a carving does constitute a, free, a freeing document. Read Art Scroll as it says Rashi further. Yeah, go ahead. It's not permanent. Right. Rashi says it's stretched. Meaning Rashi explained. Yeah. Arla? 
but different it's, issue. It's, 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 Not worth anything. Yeah, different it, issue. It Oh, that's okay. It only needs to be. No, 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 no. It's not true. Olish Zayas, we say the mission is acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One art, one sheet to argue. We'll get to that machlekes later. Yeah. But anyways, the kasha we're at now is like this. By gite noshim, we seem to be saying vikasav. It has to be exiva writing, but it can't be carved. But by shechuri avadim, we're saying that it could be carved. So which one is it? So the Gemara answers. There's two types of carving. Very, very interesting idea here. Anyone works with metal? Anyone has to work with metal? I guess maybe Shimon, you've worked with metals before. I don't know. This is this is like very uh, particular. So Amar Ula U explains like this. <clears throat> Let me just explain it outside. When you, this is how I understand it. If you have a flat piece of metal and you have a mold that goes on top of the metal, causing an image to emerge, there's two ways you could possibly do this. So one way you could do this is that you have the a mold that you're pushing into the soft metal. And then essentially that causes a depression in the soft metal. And then when you take out the mold, the depression will have an imprint, an imprint of the image that you want. Right? The image, you know those machines in like the amusement parks? An engraver. So then the, the molding that you used to cause that image to emerge actually carved out the image that you want to emerge. But the, that's considered writing, the Gemara is going to say. However, there's another way of causing an image to emerge where you have the mold is the opposite of what you want, which I mean to say by that is it pushes the outside and then what ends up happening, what's internal just just remains as is. What's that? Nah, stamp. Nah, the, 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 the main point is, what is the mold accomplishing? Is the mold accomplishing that the internal is pushed down and then it's like you're writing because that's actually a form of chakika, of carving that's like writing. Like or is it pushing, or exactly, or is it like pushing the outside, and then, and causing the, the middle the to be remain as a carven image, which is not considered writing, exactly. Very interesting. The, 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 so that would be the difference between the two. Let's read that inside. So let's read that inside. The Gemara says... <clears throat> Laikash, Amar Ula Amar Belazar, Laikash, no problem. Hadechak Tuchais, so this that we say, that it would be an acceptable form of writing, excuse me, that it's not an acceptable form of writing, this is when it's carved on the outside. It means when it's carved on the outside, so then, and the, the emerging image is just on the inside, it remains as it was before, so the Gemara says is, that would not constitute writing. That's why we said, Bagite Nashim, Vikasav, and it can't be, it's carved. But this is when it's carved inside, means internally, is the, the image the that emerges. Like that, the luchas were carved through and through. Right. Yeah, carved through and through. That was a nace, but yeah. So when it's carved internally, is that the image that you're pushing into the hot metal causes something to emerge in the inside, that's considered a carving that would constitute writing, as we find by Gitei Shechuri Avadim, as well as Gitei Nashim. Asks the Gemara, but you're telling me that when you push down on the outside, allowing the image on the inside to emerge, that's not considered writing. Is that true? For Aminus, the Gemara says we have a contradiction from a brisa that discusses the tzitz. Now the tzitz was this metal, uh, this metal headband, right, or forehead plate that was worn by the coin Gadol, and the Gemara tells us how it was formed. Its writing was not sunken in. Rather, it emerged like Din Rezahav. Now, 
What's that? Yes, yes, yes. That's the pituchi chosim. We're going to see in a moment, right? So the point is, it calls it, the tzitz is called uh, the lashon of the pasuk is. Uh, one second, chosim. Michtav pituchi chosim. Right. It has to be written. Now regarding the tzitz, it says that it wasn't sunken in; rather, it emerged, meaning it protruded like dinrei zahav, like coins. So the Gemara says is, and we know that it has to be ksav because the pasuk calls it michtav pituchi chosam. It does have to be written. And yet over there, you see it emerged. Well, how does that work? You push the mold on the outsides down, and the thing in the middle emerges. So asks the Gemara. You see, even though it needs to be ksav, that form of carving is also effective as ksav. Says the Gemara, v'hadin rezahav and we know that the way they make coins is by pushing on the outside, and then the inside emerges. So asks the Gemara, you see lechayra, such a form of carving is also considered a ksav. Answers the Gemara, no. When we say that the tzitz is like din rezahav, it means kidin rezahav, feel like kidin rezahav. In a way, it's like coins, but it's not like coins. Kidin rezahav de boilet. It's true. In the emerging form, it's like coins that the image of the letters of the of words on the tzitz of this of the uh, forehead plate emerged or they protruded. That's true. But but it's not like coins because by golden coins by coins in general they push on the outside and the image emerges from the inside. That's not considered a form of writing. But regarding the tzitz which has to be it has to be a writing actually it was carved from the inside. What do you mean it was carved from the inside? We said it protruded. So we're going to learn on Amut Beis is that the way they would make it as Rashi explained explains over here is that they would push it from the other side. means they would push it from the other side of the metal plate so the emerging letters would be protruding, but that was also a form of writing because again, what are you actually causing to protrude? The letters themselves, but it was from the other side. So it's like Din Rezov in the sense that it's protruding. It's not like Din Rezov in the sense that it was written from the other side, which is a form of proper writing. That's why it's Mirta Pituche Chaisam. Okay. Well, the nafkamin is if somebody's really creative and he writes to get for his wife by carving it on a tavla of sorts. Yeah. Ah, it's a creative guy. Well, no, because the Torah says v'kasav. Yeah, so it needs to be a v'kasav. That's the point. So what's v'kasav exactly? Ravina said to Ravashi, Roshma. Now the question he said was like. No, it could be. That's Ksiva, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it could be. It's possible. I mean, I know that they write them, but it could be. Yeah. Right, 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 right. No, I'm saying it could be. No, no, no. It was just the Minog. It was just the Minog. I don't know. Now, what about a signet ring of sorts? So if you have a signet ring, the Gemara understands that the Shaila here, it seems to be very similar. So this is how Rashi explains. Let me just explain this outside, and then we'll see it inside. A person has a signet ring, and you press it down into something to form some sort of an image. So the Shaila the Gemara wonders is like this. Do we look at it as it just depresses the outside area, but the inside area remains the same? Or do we look at it as the pressure on the outside area to some degree doesn't just push down the outside area, but it also causes what's inside to emerge a little bit more than it was before? 
So if it causes it to emerge a little bit more, that might actually be considered a ksiva. That's the shaila. So the Gemara is similar. Ravina Ravashi. Ravina says to Ravashi, Reish ma signet ring michratz charitz. Does it just depress the surrounding area and that's not a ksiva? Or kenufe maknif. Or it causes the inner area to gather together in a certain way that does constitute a little bit of a ksiva and that would be considered a ksiva for gitin, for example. Amar leis, Ravashi responded, michratz charitz. No, all it does is it pushes down the surrounding area. That does not constitute ksiva. We said by the tzitz that its writing was not sunken in. Rather, it protruded like when it came to these uh, din rezav, golden coins. The According to what you're saying, that all it did was that these signet rings pushes down on the outside, turning to but in order for it to be a proper tzitz, we said the writing has to be, it has to be a writing, but if it's just pushing on the outside, the way they're formed is using this method. So how could that have been effective writing? So the more answers, Ravina says, Ravashi said, like we said before, kid did rezav, like did rezav. It's like din rezav and not like din rezav. Kid did rezav to boil it. It's true that in, in, in terms of the emerging Outcome, it's like Din Rezahav that the writing protruded. But Velaika Din Rezav, Ilu Hasam Migavai, it's not like Din Rezav because by Din Rezav in general, the signet was pushed on the inside, causing the image to be sunken in. Or the surroundings to be pushed down, for example. Here it was from the other side. As I explained before, is that they actually pushed on the other side of the metal plate, causing the letters to protrude on the outside. So it was protruding, but that was also considered mikhtav, a form of writing. Okay, Okay. so <coughs> now we're going to get into, based on this idea that we've mentioned until now, you have to give her something. So Gemara is going to pose a new question like this. Very interesting, Shaila. A guy, a guy writes a get on a gold tablet, a gold piece, of, a piece of gold, and then he gives it to the woman and he says, "Here's your get and your ksuva, two for one package. This is your get, the the and the value of the gold." So the way Tyson understands the kasha is, when we said if it's not worth anything, it's effective. What's that? Use the gold. She doesn't have to hold on to it. Meaning, she's divorced. Once she receives the get, she's divorced. You want to keep it as a proof? Maybe make, it, maybe make a photocopy. Take a picture. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily. Meaning, she she needs ksuva. No, she he, she doesn't have the when she when they're married. Ksuva, he get she gives she tear it up, get destroy it. Yeah, because he he has to make sure it's 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 clearly paid up. That's the point. He doesn't want her to claim again. Right. So, Rav is asking Rav Nachman the following shaila. Is It's true, this way Tyson understands, that we said the get doesn't have to be worth anything. It could be written on Isure Hanot even. But here, he means to give it to her only as a form of payment. So maybe we don't look at that as, like that as a get at all. So maybe that's not acceptable. That's the shaila, right? So, Ba'amini Rav Nachman Rav asked Rav Nachman the following question. If he wrote a get on a golden plate, he said, accept your get and accept your ksuva. Two for one. What's the halachas? Amar Leir of Nachman said back to Rava, 
Niskabla Gita v'niskabla Ksuvasa. Beautiful. She's received her get and her Ksuva. This is a, 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 this is a clean divorce, easy divorce, right? No, no discussions involved. Eseve, so the Gemara says, one second, we have a kash on Rav Nachman, because the Brisa says, Iskabli Gitech, Vashalik Suvasik, a person gives a parchment to, to the wife that he's divorcing, and he says to her, Accept your get, and the rest of the value of the parchment, or whatever the base that the get was written on, you should accept as the payment for your ksuva. And again, assuming that it's worth the value of the ksuva. So it's a piece of gold or something like that. And the rest is your ksuva. So what does the Bryce say? She could accept her get. It is effective. And the rest of that metal or, or parchment acts as her ksuva. But what do you see, says the Gemara against Rav Nachman? Time of the ikashar. That's because you have the get. And then there's the remainder of it, which can act as her ksuva. But if what he's saying to her is, I want the very get that you're receiving to act as the ksuva as well, meaning it's one and the same, it sounds like it shouldn't work because you can't use that thing that's the ksuva as the get as well. So it just challenges Rav Nachman's premise that it can act two for one. So the Gemara says, no, who didn't? Really, it could be that the uh, same item that acts as the ksuva can act as the get as well. Even if there's nothing remaining, meaning if the metal itself, that's the get, is also the ksuva, perhaps it would also be effective. The chiddush of the b'risa is, even in a scenario where there's a clear separation between the get and the rest of it, which acts as the ksuva, in such a scenario, it's only if he specifies, I want the rest of it to be your ksuva, that this would be so effective. Eloi, but if not, so then the rest of it would not act as her ksuva, and she would keep it loy. She would keep it all as her get, and he would still have to pay her a full ksuva. So the point of the Bryce is just to imply that in order for him to for, to accomplish the fact that the rest of this document is going to be the value for the ksuva payment, he has to specify that. Otherwise, it'll all be her get, and he'll have to pay her up a ksuva besides for that that she received. Exactly. My time, what's the reason? Because we look at the rest of the get as the airspace of the Megillah. So therefore, what we're essentially saying is that it would act as a payment, as, as a transfer of get. She, she would keep it unless he specifies that I want it to be considered the actual Ksuva payment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go a little bit ahead here. Tan Rabbanu. True, 100%, meaning you're right. It, it, it has to be, if, let's say, for a basula, 200 zuz, that would have to be expensive parchment or, or whatever, expensive, uh, if it's gold, right, if it's gold, right, right exactly. Okay. More market, it retains its value, huh? They say buy gold, right? It's always a good thing. Gold is always good. Good. And so the continues, continues, so if a guy says to his wife, here's your get, but the paper belongs to me. This is a unique case. He says, here's your get, but the paper belongs to me. Says the Brisa, she's not divorced. He has to give her the paper. The paper could be, uh, not it could be worthless, but he has to give her the paper itself. Rashi explains, because otherwise, if he doesn't give it to her, it's like the letters are floating in the air. Letters can't be floating in the air. 
However, if he says, If he says, I'm giving you this get on condition, you give me the paper back, So then she is divorced. Why is she divorced? Because this is what we call in halacha, It's a gift on condition to return. And that is an effective gift. We learn by lulav, right? You can give a gift to somebody on condition to return. So long as they return it, when they had it, it was considered owned by them. So therefore, same thing over here. If he gives her the get and he says, I'm giving you this get on condition, you're going to return it. She's divorced because when she accepts it, it's hers. As long as she returns it after, that would be effective. So based on that psaq, if he says, Amir Shali, not Megureshes, ask the Gemara boy of Papa, Ben Shita Lashidu, Ben Teva Teva Mai. What if he says that between the lines or between the words belongs to me, does that constitute a get or not? Gemara says, take, unresolved. The tape Ukwai asks the Gemara of Alakhar, you could resolve this because of a different issue. The Sefer, the Pasik says, Vikasavla Sefer, Echadam Rahman, the Torah says it has to be one Sefer. It doesn't say Sifrei or Sfarim, plural, Velajnaim Ishlaish Sfarim. But if he owns the material that's between the lines or between the words, so then it emerges that you're talking about different different Sfarim, different uh, parchments. So that's itself an invalid invalidity. Even if it's acceptable for him to own them for other reasons, because of Svarim would be a problem. The case would be where the letters are connected. Like, see, the Lamid on the one line connects with the letter on the top. So, therefore, there's no space really in between. So, in such a scenario, it wouldn't actually make it into multiple Svarim if you would say this. However, there's a different Shaila in, in regards to uh, saying this, which in general the Gemara was wondering or Papa was wondering. Would this constitute an issue of saying Shali, or would it be effective because she owns the lettering and the parchment under those lettering? And the Gemara leaves us off with Teku. Another question. What if there was a previously established status that a slave belonged to the husband? We know that. They get And then the slave emerges with the get written on his hand. And currently, she's holding on to that slave. So, Ma, what's the halacha? He must have transferred the slave to her, and therefore she's uh, divorced. Or perhaps the slave went on his own. The slave could walk, and he went on his own to the woman. Maybe they had some sort of a plot going, and uh, she would agree to free him after, or something of that nature. The point is, is maybe the husband wrote the get on the slave, in a chinami, but then he decided not to divorce her. And then the slave walked on his own. Or do we say, no, the fact that she's holding on to him, kol yada, there's a chazak, whatever you're holding on to belongs to you. That's the shaila. Amarava, Rava says, You should resolve this shaila, says Rava to Rami Barchama, because it's a ksav that's able to be forged. Meaning, if you write it on the slave's hand, this is something that could be erased. Maybe there were conditions in that Rashi says, and therefore they and they erase some of them, and therefore this is an invalid get based on the fact that it's able to be forged. So what's your shaila? So the Gemara says, well, one second. According to Rava, Rava Nisan. But according to Rava, how do you resolve our Mishnah? You're saying that Yochel is daif is a problem, and the slaves being written on him is pasha that it will be invalid. But our Mishnah said al yad shel eved. And the Mishnah said if it was written on the hand of the Eved, it's in effect, it, it's a kosher get. So the Gemara says, no, wait a second. Bishlam masnisim l'ravalekashya. You can resolve our Mishnah. Is not a difficulty with Rava, the Ede Mesir of Rebbe Lazarhi, because our Mishnah could be the opinion of Rebbe Lazarul's Ede Mesir Karti, and maybe the way that the woman was divorced with the writing on the slave's hand is talking about a scenario 
where there were Edim Yisira who witnessed the divorce. So in Achinami, that's not an issue of Yochel is Dayef or not, because you saw them, the Edim Yisira testify as to what happened. El Rami Barchama Kasha. However, according to Rami Barchama, there would be a difficulty because Rami Barchama's question seems to be pushed, posited in a case where there's no Edei Mesira. If there were Edei Mesira, so then there's no Shaila in terms of if she's divorced or not when the Evid is Tachas Yada. So it must be there was no Edei Mesira. So the Shaila now falls back to Rami Barchama. L'chaira, how do you resolve this if it's Yochalei's Daif? It's where it was tattooed. So this is not forgeable. It's something that's permanent. And therefore, you can assume that it was a proper divorce because there's no issue. It may have erased conditions. So the Gemara says, Once you're saying this, There's no question from our Mishnah and Rava either because you could just say, You don't necessarily need to say it's Beit Masir. You could just say the reason it's effective is it's not an issue of able to be forged at all because it was tattooed in. So my Avel Gemara says, well, what's the conclusion on this Shaila? Meaning, if the Evid is Yotzimitachas Yada, we know that it was the husband's originally, and the gets written on his hand, is this effective or not? So Tashma, the Gemara says, bring a proof. So Gudras is Miloshin Gidras Tsain Rashi says from the Pasuk. The pens or the flocks of sheep is that they're called gudras. Animals are called gudras. They move around. There's no chazaka. If you have a previously established chazaka status that somebody owns them, and then suddenly you find it in the possession of somebody else, we don't say there, kol shalcha, is that anything that is in your hands belongs to you because these things wander. So it would be the same thing here. Even though it's under her ownership now, she's holding on to it, there's no chazaka there because avadim could walk. They're movable people. So therefore, she wouldn't be considered divorced. Okay, another question. Now look, there was a chazaka that a tablet, a piece of wood, let's say, belonged to her. The get kasuvaleh. Now there's a get written on it. And the husband's holding on to it. So mahu, could he use this to divorce her? So what's the shaila? Do we say aknisaleh? that she acquired it over to him, she transferred its ownership to him because she understood that in order for him to divorce her has to be venosan, that he gives her something. And therefore, when he gives it, she's considered divorced. Or do we say, Maybe she doesn't know that she has to transfer it. Meaning, do we say that a woman necessarily has the understanding that she has to transfer it to the husband so that there's a proper venosan and she could be divorced? Or do we say maybe she's not aware of that? And since she doesn't know that, she shouldn't be divorced because he's not giving her anything that belonged to him, ultimately. So the Gemara says, Amarabai, have I resolved this, the first proof, Tashma, <coughs> from a Mishnah in Meseches Adios. What does the Mishnah say? Afhu. <coughs> hey, he also testified. Rashi says, who is Rabbi Yudah ben Baba? Others say, it's Rabbi Hanin, Eskana Kehanin. Al-Kfar Katan Shahaya Bitsad Yerushalayim, that there was a small village near Yerushalayim, the side of Yerushalayim, Vahaya Baizak in Echad, and in that village there was a certain elder, Vahaya Milva Lechol Bnei Akfar, and he used to lend money to all the people in the village. <coughs> the Mishnah says, so he would write, so he would lend money to all the people in the village, and the Zakin would write, he would write the documents of loans to all, uh, with his own handiwork, with his own hand, and other people would sign them. A story came in front of the Chachamim, 
v'echshiruhu, and they validated this. So the Gemara says, what do you see? V'amai, how could they validate this? Haba ina, sefer mikna. The halacha is, we learn from Yeremia, that in order for a loan to go through, or some, some sort of a transfer to occur, the one that's creating the transfer has to write the document for the one that's receiving the transfer. Now, in the case of a loan, that would mean that the borrower has to write a document for the lender. And yet, we're saying over here, the Zakin would write it for the people who were borrowing. So, Veleka, and that, that's not what happened over here. El the Gemara says, it must be, Mishum Damrinan, Aknuye Maknalahu. It must be that we say the Zakin transferred the property of that document over to the lenders, uh, the borrowers, excuse me, and then the borrowers retransferred it back to the Zakin. So, you see, there's a clear understanding that when there's an issue in that the <clears throat> one of the parties needs to be the owner, there's an understanding that they would transfer it. Who had then, the Isha would understand she transferred this tablet to her husband and then he retransferred it back to her. I just want to point out, that's the way the simple chat in the Gemara, but Taisus learns that we're not referring to the issue of uh, loans necessarily because loans is not comparable as the document isn't what creates the loan, it's just a proof of the loan. Taisus says this must be referring to the fact that they would also give gifts to the guy, <clears throat> to the Zuckin, because of the niceties that he would do with them in terms of lending them money. And once they gave gifts, it would be the same idea, which is he would write the documents for them. Now that is comparable to our case, and yet we're saying is he would write the documents for them as opposed to vice versa, them back to him. So the Gemara says, you see from here, when the document needs to be written by the person who's causing the transaction for the recipient of it, in this case, the givers of the gifts to the recipient, which is the Zakin, you see there's an understanding that the Zakin would transfer to them and then back to him, who had then the Isha would do the same thing. Good proof. So Amarava, Rava says, Umay Kushya, what's the question? Your proof is, is weak. Dilma, Zakin Shani, maybe Zakin is different. Turn to Chafal Chmuralif, the Yodalak Nuye. Means the Zakin is a, he's a, he's a Talmud Chacham. He knows how to make transfers. He's involved in commerce and he wants to make sure this is effective. But maybe the woman who's not involved, she doesn't really know. So El of the Gemara says, bring a second Raya. El Marav, Let's bring a Raya from Mishnah Bava Basra. The Mishnah says, if you have an Arif signed on a document after the signing of the document was already finished. So now the problem is, is that if he's signed before and he guarantees that he'll pay up if the borrower doesn't, so in such a scenario, his properties are considered indebted and you could collect certainly from Mishwabad and from him because the signing that goes on after creates a call that obligates his property and there's a lien against his property. But in this case, where he signed after, so the the, the Mishnah Paskins, they can only collect from the Arif's property that's not unencumbered, that's not sold off. Why? Because there's no call as he signed after the witnesses. So the Gemara says, what do you see from here? And Zarashi explains this, is that the problem is, is that it was already accomplished, it was already done. The lender's already holding on to it. So how is it altogether effective? Rashi says it has to be that the Arev is considered an owner of this in order to transfer it over to the lender, and then he could obligate himself in any way. So Rashi says it must be that the lender transfers it to the Arev for the purpose of the Arev signing later, and then he transfers it back to the lender, and that would be a fulfillment of Sefer Mikna, meaning that it's a transfer caused from the person creating the obligation to the recipient of it, in this case, the lender. So Huad then would be the same thing with the Isha, that since she understands that she can't have this get effective unless she transfers this tablet to her husband and back, 
That's how she means to do it. Amravashi, Ravashi says again, not a raya, my kushya. Means really that was the basis of the question. Maybe men are different because they're involved in commerce and they know how to accomplish these things. But maybe women don't know that they have to actually transfer ownership of the item to the husband so that he can write on it and give it back to her as giving her venasan. Salam Ravash. Ravash says the best raya, and this is the proof, the third proof, but Mehacha, we're going to have the Mishnah later on Chavbez and Mabez, which is going to tell us, Isha Kaiseves says Gita, a woman is allowed to write her get. The man can write the receipt that she really needs to give him after receiving her get. Uh, her ksuva, excuse me. Because the fulfillment of the get is only in its signatures. So meaning to say is that they can write the document they ultimately need to receive back and then transfer it to the other party. And then it's understood then that I'm transferring it to you in order to receive back. So says the Gemara, you see clearly in such a scenario where it was her item and it transferred to him, she would understand that that's what's necessary and she would be effectively divorced with her own item because she transferred it to him and then received it back. We're stopping here at the top of Chafal from Aleph. Israel will pick up tomorrow uh, with further discussions on this topic. All the best.